how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. After serving in the Israeli army, Gideon Raff went to acting school and quickly realized it wasn't a fit. He then got into advertising and then the world of filmmaking. In the early days, he worked in the horror genre, but then moved to espionage and political thrillers like Prisoners of War and Homeland. In Raff's latest series, The Spy, Sasha Baron Cohen stars as the Israeli spy Eli Cohen. In the six-episode series, audiences are invited to look at the intense life in this remarkable true story. The writer felt like a two-hour version would have been too much like a James Bond movie, so he expanded the story to six hours focused on character and then identity. In this interview, Raph discusses how stories stay within you, why everything he does puts characters first, the difference between Homeland and Prisoners of War, why the story dictates its length, and how screenwriters need to show compassion for themselves. If you enjoy this interview, look for the print version on Creative Screenwriting's website, and also join millions of viewers for our new YouTube video essay series, also called Creative Principles. Well, I was always a big reader, uh, and I knew that I wanted to do something that had to do with storytelling. Um, it took me a while to find out exactly what it was. Uh, you know, I went after the—I'm from Israel originally. Um, so after the army, I went to— acting school and then figured out that it's not bad. And then I took some courses in advertising. And so I was looking for uh, the right fit for uh, uh, storytelling. And then I landed on film. Um, and uh, yeah, that's how it started. I got my uh, undergraduate, undergraduate degree in Tel Aviv University and then came here to AFI, to the American Film Institute. What were some of your early interests? I noticed a couple of your first films were kind of in the horror genre. What were you looking to do kind of when you first got started? Well, it was it's always about character for me. It's always about finding, um, you know, the, the kind of regular people and putting them in, in, in higher stakes. Uh, uh, I like how politics and how uh, um, 
you know, the, the world around us affects uh, people, the personal prices we pay for growing up where we do, uh, uh, decisions that governments make, and all of that. And, and psychological uh, uh, character explorations always very fascinated me. The horror movie that I did actually um, was a... That didn't come from me. That came from the production company, and they asked if I'm willing to do it. And I, I wasn't that, you know, big on the horror genre. Um, I don't know why, but Israelis tend to not like horror, <laughs> maybe because our lives are, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, intense enough. But um, I remember going to the, I think it was the Blockbuster on La Cienega and renting every horror film that I could, and I started watching and. And I found that some of them are so smart and so, um, you know, hit on the nerves of what, what society is dealing with, the psyche of, of our society. So I, I thought it would be a great challenge. But it was, never, it was never like a dream of mine to do a horror movie. Do you have any other advice besides that initial research? Like a lot of people kind of get, you know, they find themselves in a similar situation with their first film. Like, how did you really make it your own or to the best of your ability, kind of put your unique spin on it? Well, that was the thing. You know, I, I some of the these movies that I've seen, like, you know, Get Out is a great example of it. Um, but so many of them um, are, are so personal and so smart and so... Uh, uh, zeitgeisty um that that's what i wanted to do and i what i tried to do is take the archetypes of uh of horror and kind of switch them whereas you know uh in, in my movie the it's the girls who it's the women who fight and the and the men who run around naked and yelling um so i tried to i tried to switch that archetype of horror um how did you make the tr transition into kind of the thriller espionage that you wanted to make? Like a lot of people get stuck in their first couple of films in a genre. How did you do more what you wanted to do? Did you get into writing or what was kind of the next step? Well, yeah, I mean, I wrote my whole life. Uh, so that was something that I did all the time. And, and uh, you know, as somebody who wants to direct um, when you, when you're not giving, when you're not being offered jobs, what you, what you can do is create your own. And, and when I got the chance to create my own material, um, I did it in the genres and in the worlds that interest me the most. And uh, when I wrote Prisoners of War, um, I was living in Los Angeles. Uh, we, we came here for my, came here for my graduate degree. I was supposed to be here for two years, but started working in the industry. And before I knew it, it was seven years and I was looking my way for my way back to Israel and started uh, uh, looking for stories that would uh, strike a chord with me and that were emotional enough for me and, and that I wanted to spend time with. And I, and I, and I uh, looked into the story of prisoners of war and, and, and found a world of drama that hasn't been uh, really explored. We, we in Israel really, um, you know, pay a high price to get our boys back, and uh, we demand that our government pays the price to get them back. And everybody kind of knows the story of what happens with prisoners of war um, until they get back home. But nobody really talks about them after they've gotten home, and that's what I wanted to explore, what happens to them, the, the reintegration into society and how hard it is, and for some of them harder than captivity itself. Um, so that's something that I, I, I found fascinating, and, and I started researching and talking to um, many former prisoners of war, 
um, and their wives and their families and their doctors, their psychologists. And I've, I've discovered a world that was really fascinating. There's definitely a different um, cultural perspective with like homeland and prisoners of war. What are some of the thematic differences between those two? You know, I think when when years ago when uh, I sold the rights to prisoners of war, we started talking about how to make it into an American show. And and uh, in Israel, there's there's such a sensitivity to um, the idea of somebody coming back home. It's it's a very known um, thing in Israel. It's it's less national headlines in the states. It was during the Vietnam War, but less so since. Um, so there's a different sensitivity. There's a different kind of um, suspense that comes alone from somebody, you know, waiting for years for for her husband to come back home and suddenly he's in, at home with a stranger. Um, in Homeland, uh, uh, the same elements were used and then changed in order to make an ongoing uh, a series that the the thriller element of it, the suspenseful element of it, the investigation was suddenly the heart of the show. Did you did you bring some of those uh, thematic styles with you into into the spy? Like, did you have that idea going with this new series as well? Well, the spy again is a very uh, uh, it's it's a very known story in Israel, and it's a uh, very. Um, Eli Cohen is a is a hero in Israel and around the world, and I grew up with the story. I grew up with the books in the library and and uh, books about him in, the, in in my you know parents' bookshelves. And um, I because I love thrillers and I love suspense thrillers, I love espionage. I, I I was always fascinated by his story, but more so because of the the personal um, identity. Uh, theme that I got to explore there. How did you, so it's a, he's a well-known person. Um, where are you from? How did you choose like, you know, what to talk about in his life, what timeline, um, to go from maybe where to flashback, what number of episodes, where to start and some of those things. Well, that's interesting because it started actually as a feature in my head. And, and when I pitched it to the producer, Alan Goldman, I first pitched it as a two hour movie and, uh, uh, I started writing and I started researching and and it didn't fit into two hours. I had I had so much more to explore and if I had done it in the two hour movie, I thought it would have been more of a um, you know a James Bondy kind of story. And I wanted to actually tell a story of identity, tell a story of this immigrant who came to Israel and and uh, quite immediately was sent to Syria um, and rose so high in Syria in the government and in the military. And, and uh, I wanted to explore what it does to his character, what it did to his wife, what it does to the people around him, um, the friendships that he created um, in Syria, and the difference between how the people describe him in Israel and the people who knew him in Syria describe him. It, it, he did a real shift. He, he really took upon himself a different character. And that was fascinating to write and explore and research and also fascinating to see on set with Sasha. 
You've got credits. Um, you've been working in the business about 10 or 15 years. Do you feel any obligations in this in this limited series to write a certain way, like in terms of the act structure, or do you feel a little bit more freedom today with streaming and the way audiences engage with material? Well, the wonderful thing about what's happening today, not now, we're not, not during the quarantine, but in, in uh, you know, before that, is that um, because of the streamers, because uh, um, you get to tell, you, you get to have the story dictate if it's a miniseries or an ongoing or a movie, um, and people are way more open to different formats. And I think because I've come from uh, Israel and it's more of a kind of European uh, way of uh, a storytelling, um, that, that comes very naturally to me, that the story dictates the length. Um, there's no obligation to hit a certain number of episodes. or So that's really, um, I think, freeing and, and creative. Uh, it allows you to be very creative with the story and tell it the way you want to tell it. You've got a unique perspective on this film where you do speak a few languages. I read your interview with Rosetta Stone, and you said um, Eli Cohen's story is that he was an Egyptian Jew who knew Arabic and an Egyptian dialect, but had to learn a Syrian one. How do you start to simplify some of those complexities to kind of make it make sense for everyone when they're watching something like The Spy? Well, The Spy was mostly in English, so that was a, a, a was a challenge because we 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 were thinking about how to do that. And uh, what Sasha and I um, eventually decided on that Sasha would have a different accent when he speaks uh, English with in Israel, as if it's Hebrew, and then he would speak a different uh, with a different accent of English when he speaks uh, uh, in Syrian, because language is culture. It was a very big thing, you know, um, uh, for this immigrant who came from, from uh, uh, Egypt and spoke with an accent in Israel, and then he, he goes to Syria and he needs to speak with the musicality of the Syrian accent in order to sell himself uh, uh, as one of them. Um, it was a very big thing. So, so uh, uh, Sasha spent a lot of time uh, working on those accents. And I think he did an incredible job. <laughs> what were some of your conversations like with Sasha preparing for this role? I mean, everyone's first headline is going to be that it's, you know, it's the first time he's playing more of a serious part. But when you get past all that, like, what was he looking to do and what made him choose this role? Well, I think that's a, a question probably for Sasha. But um, he, too, was fascinated by the story of Ellie Coyne. He, too, grew up on the story. Those books that I was talking about were also in his parents' uh, uh, bookshelves. Um, and I think anybody interested in uh, uh, the Middle East, anybody interested in, in uh, those shifts, it was such a unique time in the Middle East, The right before... Um, you know the Six Day War, and uh, uh, when when it, it's kind of like the the basis of what we see now, how everything happened and and created the Middle East that we know now. But it was a very different place then. Um, so he was very fascinated by the region and and by the uh, uh, character himself. He gets to play, you know, almost two roles in one. And I think that was appealing for him as well. 
Tell me a little bit about your uh, research phase. I mean, all of these stories you're working on are relatively complex. Here you're listed as the creator, writer, director. Um, what does that look like? When do you know that you're, you know, let's say, let's say ready enough to kind of get going and dive in and start filming and, and all that process? Like, how do you know you've done enough research and everything's ready? Well, it's, it really changes from project to project. You know, on, on Prisoners of War, I had this sparked of an idea to do this about Prisoners of War, and I started writing um, before I started the research. And then when I spend time with the actual prisoners of war and their families and their doctors, I stopped writing a little bit, and I was very much informed by what they what, what they added to me. Um, but what they, you know, the, the info, the meeting the people, and there was a lot of stuff that I changed because I met them. Like, you know, I had this one prisoner of war who told me that um, the physical stuff was not the problem at all. It was the solitude. It was being alone. It was not knowing if that door is ever going to open again. So eventually when that door did open, and even though he knew that he would be uh, pulled out of his hole um, to be tortured, he felt nothing but joy because of the human interaction. And that's something that I could have only known because I talked to the guys because of the research. Um, and it changed my the way I thought about captivity and the way I thought about uh, prisoners of war. So it was a huge part of prisoners of war. It was a huge part of Big, um, a show that I did for uh, USA, and of course a huge part of uh, the Ailey Cohen story, The Spy, because uh, I knew the kind of the hero. I knew the what's written in the books, what's written in the articles. But it's only when you meet the family that you understand the real price that people pay for these political decisions. Um, in, in Homeland, it was different for me because Homeland was based on uh, prisoners of war, but I wasn't involved in the writing of it. So uh, uh, I had way less input. But um, I know that the guys do a lot of research before they go into every season. There's a big responsibility uh, in these films and, and series, especially when there are, there are real people involved, as you mentioned. I guess if something's missing, do you rely to go back on research? Or what, what might your um, first step be if you can't quite figure out a plot point or a character's backstory? Well, I do. I do go back to the research all the time. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the writing uh, process when you write a, a true story. Um, and you also take some some dramatic liberties, um, you know that that are are true to the theme, but not necessarily you know exact to the timeline. Or you know uh, you can have some dramatic liberty. But I always go back to the people. I always go back to the research, um, and I always try to make it as credible as possible. Is there any, uh, kind of looking back in, in hindsight now, is there any advice you wish you had in terms of screenwriting? Um, if you if you could get some advice before you made Prisoners of War or any of your past films and stories, what advice might that be or what advice would you pass on? You know, it's kind of a cliche, but but uh, but it's true. It, it, the, the sitting in front of that, um, as you know, you're a writer, sitting in front of that, computer, the laptop, the white page, whatever it is, is daunting, and it's really scary. And I think, I think uh, screenwriters need to have 
um, a lot of compassion for themselves, which is something that I've learned recently. Um, even in the time like this, and in, in, in the times that we live in now, you know, uh, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to make this into a positive, and the fact that I'm stuck at home and I can't see anybody and I'm, I have more time than I usually have because all my projects are on pause, I'll write a lot. Um, but I find myself being completely unfocused and I'm forgiving myself for it. So I think the, the advice that I would give is to be compassionate to yourself, to know that uh, part of the process is that in the beginning, the drafts are not as good as you uh, want them to be. And it's, it's all about uh, uh, sitting your ass down on the chair and continuing, continuing, continuing until you feel in your gut that it's ready to show. You're, you're pretty deep into this type of genre, let's say. Do you find yourself looking to maybe do something else, or do you just find it uh, kind of limitless, all the different stories you can tell and, and kind of a cultural responsibility to keep telling these types of stories? Well, I um, I took to heart the, the saying, write what you know. <laughs> um, and I'm also, I, I'm, I'm very interested in this world. I'm also, I'm very interested in, in, in the neighborhood I come from. I, I think it's, it's, uh, um, it's it's deeply limitless. I mean, it really is limitless. And the stories, the drama, the stakes um, are very, very high. This doesn't mean that I'm not interested in doing other things. Um, you know, I'm I, I am trying in my next project to um, explore other worlds, explore other places, but to keep the the idea that if you make it as human as possible, if you make it as local as possible, if you make it as true to the place as possible, somehow uh, the universal themes uh, come out and it speaks to um, many people. Um, so, yeah, I, I am trying to do other things as well. In this position that you're in, you're kind of, you're making some similar stories in different languages and those kinds of things. What do you do with the scenes that might not work? Do you save those for later? Like, how do you kind of just organize your notes and think about more your, your longevity uh, as a filmmaker? Well, I keep them. I have, you know, I have, uh, uh, like many, many screenwriters, I have thousands of notebooks <laughs> that I walk around with and write ideas into. And, and uh, some of them I don't even look back, you know, uh, uh, but they somehow feed um, your future ideas, and somehow they feed the themes that you are dealing with. Um, so when I start a project, I have like a world of, of uh, uh, ideas that won't fit into a two-hour story or a four-hour story or whatever it is, um, but they're intriguing enough to keep living within you. Um, and I find that writing them down in notebooks and, uh, um, you know, uh, they... They remain in you. Um, I think that's great. I think we got everything. Is there anything I missed or anything else you want to say about The Spy or any other future work you've got coming out? The Spy, you know, uh, well, one of the things I have to say is that the, the, I wrote the first three episodes alone, but then the, the, the second half of the show, the three episodes, four, five, six, I did with uh, an extremely talented writer called Max Perry, um, who I met on Dig. Um, and it was a really good collaboration. And then we shot it in Morocco for seven months, uh, and we became one big family. Um, well, I was there for seven months. The shooting was less. Um, and it was an amazing to shoot this kind of story in Morocco with some of the crew were Israeli, some of the crew were Moroccan, some French. Um, 
it was a very unique experience and one that I will cherish forever. And that is our show. Thanks again for tuning in. If it's your first time, make sure to hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud or iTunes. Also check out the new video essay series on YouTube called Creative Principles. And give us a review. That's one of the best ways to help share these interviews. Thanks again.